This podcast is brought to you by Bethany Trinity Presbyterian Church. Thanks for listening. Thank you for singing, everyone. We will now be reading from uh, God's Word, from the book of Zechariah, chapters 1 and 2. In the eighth month of the second year of Darius, the word of the Lord came to the prophet Zechariah, son of Berechiah, the son of Edo. The Lord was very angry with the ancestors. Therefore, tell the people, this is what the Lord Almighty says. Return to me, declares the Lord Almighty, and I will return to you, says the Lord Almighty. Do not be like your ancestors, to whom the earlier prophets proclaimed. This is what the Lord Almighty says. Turn from your evil ways and your evil practices. But they would not listen or pay attention to me, declares the Lord. Where are your ancestors now? And the prophets, do they live forever? But did not my words and my decrees, which have commanded my servants, the prophets, overtake your ancestors? Then they repented and said, The Lord Almighty has done to us what our ways and practices deserve, just as he determined to do. On the 24th day of the 11th month, the month of Shabbat, in the second year of Darius, the word of the Lord came to the prophet Zechariah, son of Berechiah, the son of Edo. During the night, I had a vision, and there before me was a man mounted on a red horse. He was standing among the myrtle trees in the ravine. Behind him were red, brown, and white horses. I asked, what are these, my Lord? The angel who was talking to me answered, I will show you what they are. Then the man standing among the mortal trees explained, they're the ones the Lord has sent to go throughout the earth. And they reported to the angel of the Lord who was standing among the mortal trees. We have gone throughout the earth and found the whole world at rest and in peace. Then the angel of the Lord said, Lord Almighty, how long will you withhold mercy from Jerusalem and from the towns of Judah, which you have been angry with these 70 years? So the Lord spoke kind and comforting words to the angel who talked with me. Then the angel who was speaking to me said, Proclaim this word. This is what the Lord Almighty says. I am very jealous for Jerusalem and Zion, and I am very angry with the nations that feel secure. I was only a little angry, but they went too far with the punishment. Therefore, this is what the Lord says. I will return to Jerusalem with mercy, and there my house will be rebuilt. And the measuring line will be stretched out over Jerusalem, declares the Lord Almighty. Proclaim further. This is what the Lord Almighty says. My towns will again overflow with prosperity, and the Lord will again comfort Zion and choose Jerusalem. Then I looked up, and there before me were four horns. I asked the angel who was speaking to me, what are these? He answered me, these are the horns that scattered Judah, Israel, and Jerusalem. Then the Lord showed me four craftsmen. I asked, what are these coming to do? He answered, these are the horns that scattered Judah so that no one could raise their head. But the craftsmen have come to terrify them and throw down these horns to the nations who lifted up the horns against the land of Judah to scatter its people. Zechariah 2. Then I looked up, and there before me was a man with a measuring line in his hand. I asked, where are you going? 
he answered me, to measure Jerusalem, to find out how wide and how long it is. While the angel who was speaking to me was leaving, another angel came to meet him and said to him, Run, tell that young man, Jerusalem will be a city without walls because of the great number of people and animals in it. And I myself will be a wall of fire around it, declares the Lord, and I will be its glory within. Come, come, flee from the land of the north, declares the Lord, for I have scattered you to the four winds of heaven, declares the Lord. Come, Zion, escape you who live in the daughter of Babylon. For this is what the Lord Almighty says. After the glorious one has set me against the nations that I have plundered for you, for whoever touches you touches the apple of his eye, I will surely raise my hand against them, so that their slaves will plunder them. Then you will know that the Lord Almighty has sent me. Shout and be glad, daughter Zion, for I am coming, and I will live among you declares the Lord. Many nations will be joined with the Lord in that day and will become my people. I will live among you and you will know that the Lord Almighty has sent to you. The Lord will inherit Judah as his portion in the Holy Land and will again choose Jerusalem. Be still before the Lord, all mankind, because he has roused himself from his holy dwelling. This is the word of the Lord. We will be now be listening to Nicholas Wong, who will be teaching us from Zechariah chapter 1 and 2. Thank you, Nicholas Lim. Let's pray. Uh, Lord, open up the, our hearts and minds by the power of your Spirit. As the scriptures are read, as your word is proclaimed, may we hear it with joy of what you have to say to us today. In Jesus' name, Amen. Okay. Uh, so what, when, I was, when I was younger, uh, my parents used to let me choose a toy when I got full marks on my tingxie. Yeah, I think some, some of you might have that experience too. So, what, what, so one time, I got, one rare time, I got full marks. So I chose this uh, G.I. Joe toy with yellow flippers. So when I got home, I filled the sink with water and I played. Then I was done, I removed the stopper, and you know what happened? One yellow flipper dropped off and went down, down, down the sink. And I watched, horrified, uh, I couldn't do anything. Later, my mom uh, noticed I was looking glum, so she asked me, why aren't you smiling? And we all go through times when it is, where we find it, where we find it hard to smile. So, uh, we, so when someone asks me why, someone asks you why, why aren't you smiling? You might say, because my present is bleak. Maybe it's a loss of a loved one, maybe a loss of work, or your interview didn't get through. Maybe it's severe illness, or stress at home, stress at school. Or you, you might say, my future is bleak. There's no way out of the bad situation I'm in. So life get, gets really hard with both our present and our future are, are, are bleak. What about Christianity? Sometimes it feels hard to, to smile as a Christian. Our present feels bleak when we look at our own spiritual state. We struggle with sin. We hurt others with our sin. We struggle with work, with our kids. We can hardly make time to read the Bible, go for church, go for a small group, even though it's a click away on Zoom. And our culture today wants to hear less and less of Christianity. 
my friend asked me some time ago, now, why can't you keep religion out of our local politics? Why can't you keep religion out of other people's lives? And you could lose your family, you can lose your friends, you can tell them about Jesus. So if our, friend, if our culture is going to be like this, like the, going to be like the West, then our future is also going to be very bleak. Is there really nothing that we can smile about? Today, I want, to share, I want to share with you that there is something that you can smile about. You can smile because your future, so your present is secure and your future is bright. So we'll be looking, we're starting our series in the book of Zechariah. So in the book of Zechariah, our passage today, there are four parts. So there are two generations, two returns, two falls, and two cities. We'll come back to this diagram again uh, uh, later. But now, let's look at two generations. So we're at the start of Zechariah. And in this passage, we see that God's people repented, showing they're not like their forefathers, the earlier generation who disobeyed. So this is what uh, God said uh, to the people in Judah and Jerusalem. Okay, so let me read from verse 1. In the eighth month of the second year of Darius, the word of the Lord came to the prophet Zechariah, son of Berechiah, the son of Edo. The Lord was very angry with your ancestors. Therefore tell the people, this is what the Lord Almighty says. Return to me, declares the Lord Almighty, and I will return to you, declares the Lord Almighty. Do not be like your ancestors to whom earlier prophets proclaim. This is what the Lord Almighty says. Turn from your evil ways and your evil practices. But they would not listen or pay attention to me, declares the Lord. Where are your ancestors now? And the prophets, do they live forever? But did not my words and my decrees, which I commanded my servants and prophets, overtake your ancestors? Then they repented and said, The Lord Almighty has done to us what our ways and practices deserve, just as he's determined to do. God was very angry with their forefathers. And what did the forefathers do? Verse 4 and 5 says, They didn't repent from their wicked ways, even though God sent prophets over and over again to warn them. And in verse 6, God's word of judgment overtook, overtook the, these people. This means God's word to curse the people if they disobeyed. These, all these words came to pass. And one, and one big fulfillment happened, uh, one of these curses happened in uh, 586 BC. In 586 BC, God sent the Babylonian army against the first generation. So the Babylonian army killed many, killed most of the people, and they exiled whoever was left. 70, about 70 years later, in 520 BC, there's a second generation. So the Jews in Zechariah, they have come back home from exile. But they are poor. They're building a temple. So this new generation, this second generation has two options. Return to God, God return to them, or don't return to God and be like your ancestors, and God will treat you like your ancestors. Return and be blessed, or don't return. Don't learn from history and be judged. What's their response? In verse 6, the returnees repent. They choose the right option. They obey God. They learn from history. But wait, some of you are saying, haven't these people already returned from the land? How come God tells them to return again? So yeah, the people have left Persia and they're not back in the land of Judah. So how come God asks them to return one more time? Well, yes, they have returned physically, but they have not returned relationally to God. Their hearts have not returned. 
they need to repent to God. You see, merely being in the right place, that's not all that matters. What, what matters is being in a right relationship. That's what their ancestors got wrong. Their ancestors were in the right place, but they had no relationship with God. That's why God removed them from their place. Repentance, that's what the returnees got right. They're in the right place, and they turn back in their relationship to God. Well, that's a lesson for us here. And some of us feel that we are in the right place here at BTPC. Now, it's wonderful that you're here at BTPC, but listen to God's history lesson from our spiritual forefathers. Don't be like them. You see, what's, what's important is to be in the right place, and more importantly, to be in a right relationship with God, to repent from our sin, to accept Christ, rather than continue to sin, continue to reject Christ. Let's continue with our passage. Zechariah's listeners have heard the message, return to God and God return to you. So they did the first part. They have returned to God by repenting. So what do you expect to happen next? Yes, we expect God to return to them. So that's what, that's what we will see uh, from, chap- from verse 7 all the way to uh, chapter 6. So in chapter se- sorry, verse 7 all the way to chapter 6, there are eight visions and one sign. All these things are about what happens when God returns. So today we'll be looking at the first three visions. Let's start with the first vision. In the first vision, we have two returns. So, as, so in this passage, we'll see that God responds now in returning, which God returns now in relationship, and God returns in future with his presence. As I read this passage, I notice what Zechariah sees. On the 24th day of the 11th month, the month of Shabbat, the second year of Darius, the word of the Lord came to the prophet Zechariah, son of Berechiah, the son of Edo. During the night, I had a vision, and there before me was a man mounted on a red horse. He was standing among the myrtle trees in the ravine. Behind him were red, brown, and white horses. I asked, what are these, my Lord? The angel who was talking with me answered, I will show you what they are. Then the man standing on the, among the myrtle trees explained, they are the ones the Lord has sent to go throughout the earth. And they reported to the angel of the Lord who was standing among the myrtle trees, we have gone throughout the earth and found the whole world at rest and in peace. What does Zechariah see? He sees horses. Okay, this picture complements uh, from the Sinkang group and the Doi group. Okay, so this is their, their uh, artistic uh, imagination of the passage. So they see Zechariah sees horses. So verse 10 says that these horses go around the world. Now these fast horses travel all around the world. What they do is that they come back, they report back to what's happening. So these horses uh, are like God's spy network. What happens in the world, God knows. You know, God doesn't really have uh, literal horses running around the world. This vision is to show us that God knows everything. There's nothing that he does not know. But back to, back to the vision, let's see uh, why Zechariah sees this. So let's see what the horses report. So in verse 11, they report, world peace, no wars, no fighting, no COVID. And it's wonderful. But the angel sounds really upset about it in verse 12. Verse 12, then the angel of the Lord said, Lord Almighty, how long will we withhold mercy from Jerusalem and from the towns of Judah? 
which you have been angry these 70 years. The angel is upset. But why is the angel upset? It's got something to do with these 70 years. You see, more than 70 years ago, uh, God, this is what God said uh, through the prophet Jeremiah. This whole country will become de a desolate wasteland. So he's talking about Judah will become a desolate wasteland. And the nations will serve uh, Babel, king of Babylon 70 years. But when the 70 years are fulfilled, I'll punish the king of Babylon and his nation in the land of the Babylonians for their guilt, declares the Lord, and will make it desolate forever. So after 70 years, God promised that the, the, the land will no longer be desolate and they'll come back to the land and the, pe the people can, can be happy. But, and, but God will also judge the, the land of the Babylonians. Now the time of Zechariah, is 70 years is almost up. And what do we see? We see the people have come back to the land, but they are still suffering. They're still impoverished. And instead of judgment for the world, we see world peace. That's me. This means what God has said hasn't happened yet. The world is at peace. And God's people are languishing without God's mercy. So the angel says, God, what are you going to do about this? How long will we hold mercy? God, the people have returned. When will you return in mercy? So God says he's returning. Verse 16. Therefore, this is what the Lord says. I will return to Jerusalem with mercy. And then my house will be rebuilt. The measuring line will be stretched out over Jerusalem, declares the Lord Almighty. Proclaim further. This is what the Lord Almighty says. My towns will again overflow with prosperity and the Lord will again comfort Zion and choose Jerusalem. Now this passage shows us that God will return two times. One time is now and then second time is in future. So verse 16, God returns now in mercy. So do you see in verse 12, the angel asks, how long will God withhold mercy from Jerusalem? So when God replies, I will return with mercy, God is saying that 70 years are up. I'll return now. Based, uh, I'll return now in response to what you said. So God's people will no longer suffer God's judgment. Their poverty will end. God will let their crops grow. God will cause them to be prosperous. This is, this is big news. This means that their future, so their present is secure. But verse 16 and 17 also shows us that their future is bright. You see, God returns, to, God returns to them in relationship now, but God promises to return in future. God promises to return to live with his people in the temple. That's, that's what verse 16, the end of verse 16 says, then my house will be rebuilt. So that, that house is the temple. And Lord, the Lord also says, you will again choose Jerusalem. That's also temple language. Because it means that God will choose Jerusalem to be the place where he can live his, with his people at his temple, where his people can offer sacrifices to him. So the same language was, was what he used all the way back in Deuteronomy 12. Then to the place the Lord your God will choose as a dwelling for his name. There you are to bring everything I command you, your burnt offerings and sacrifices, your tithes and special gifts, and all, your, all the choice possessions you have vowed to the Lord. God will choose Jerusalem to be the place where his temple was last time. Uh, will choose where his temple will be again. This is what he did last time and he's going to do it again. God will return to live with his people. 
So we see that there are two returns. God returns in mercy at present, and God returns in future with his presence. And when God returns in future with his presence, one thing that he will do is that he will defeat his people's enemies. That's what we will see in the two falls in the next passage. So Zechariah sees two groups of falls. The first group he sees are four horns. Verse 18, Then I looked up, and there before me were four horns. I asked the angel who was speaking to me, What are these? He answered, These are the horns that scattered Judah, Judah, Israel, and Jerusalem. Zechariah sees four animal horns. So these are like rhino horns. So I googled how to survive a rhino charge. And Google's advice is, you can't survive. So don't get hit. These horns represent great power, great strength. So when the angel says these these four horns are the nations, the angel angel means that these four horns are superpower nations that attacked and scattered Jerusalem. So what is God's choice weapon against these four superpower nations? Is it four nuclear bombs? No. God chooses four craftsmen. Verse 20. Then the Lord showed me four craftsmen. I asked, what are these coming to do? He answered, These are the horns that scattered Judah so that no one could raise their head. But the craftsmen have come to terrify them and throw down these horns of the nations that lifted up their horns against the land of Judah to scatter its people. These craftsmen are the craftsmen that work on the temple. They are like expert temple construction workers. So how would these expert temple construction workers take on the superpowers that scatter God's people? But they defeat the superpowers by building the house of the Lord, building the temple that God will dwell in. So so God will dwell with his people in his future return. And when God lives with his people, God will protect his people. God will defeat all their enemies, all superpowers. And when God lives, lives with his people, it's always the high point of the Old Testament. So like when Solomon built the first temple, then God, the infinite God came in finite time and space to live with his people. So chapter 8, 1 Kings chapter 8 says, Then uh, when the priest withdrew from the holy place, the cloud filled the temple of the Lord, and the priests could not perform their service because of the cloud, for the glory of the Lord filled the temple. So when Zechariah, when God gives a message to Zechariah saying that he's, he's coming back in his temple, God is giving Zechariah's listeners hope that he's going to return one more time, just like he did with Solomon. Now, so, did any of you watch the National Day Parade on August 21st? If you did, put up your hands. Okay, some of you did? Okay. Great, great. Okay, so my family watched it, and my wife said, now this NTP's theme is all about hope for the future. All hope for there's no time when no, no more COVID. Hope hope for a time when our performers don't have to social distance like you see in the picture. And even our theme song, the theme song is there's a, there's a line that goes, "We did it before, and we'll do it again." But using the the words of our National Day song, God did it before, and He'll do it again. So God returned before. God returned in mercy to His people. And he returned one more time with his presence to defeat his enemies and to live with his people. Now, Zechariah's listeners might think, now God came once with mercy and then God returned one more time and that's it. But with Jesus, we learn that 
God's second return actually comes in two parts. First, Jesus, God returns to us and Jesus who is always with us. So Matthew 28 says, Surely I am teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. So God is always with his people through Jesus. Jesus is always with us. Jesus makes our present secure. So when we, are, when we are in Christ, God forgives our sins, calls us his children. And God will, and God will begin this good work in us to save us. He will make sure we'll grow to become more and more like Christ. And God will live with us forever. Revelation 21 says, Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and first earth had passed away. There was no longer any sea. I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride, beautifully dressed for her husband. I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Look, God's dwelling place is now among the people, and he will dwell with them. They will be his people. God himself will be with them and be their God. You might feel your present is bleak. Your future is bleak. But God calls you to see from his perspective. From his perspective in Christ, your present is secure. You are safe with Christ. Your future is gloriously bright. You will live forever with God. Now let's recap what we have seen so far. So in the two generations, we see God's people return by repenting. In the two returns, we see that God returns to them in mercy and God promises to return one more time to live with them in future. And we see that with the, with the, fourth, with the two fours, your God will return to his temple. God will defeat his enemies. So how do the people live in the meantime? What should they do? That's what we see with the two cities. God's return means that his people must love Jerusalem, not Babylon. Here we will see two cities, Babylon and Jerusalem. So Babylon, flee Babylon. Come, come, flee from the land of the north, declares the Lord. For I scatter you to the four winds of heaven, declares the Lord. Come, Zion, escape you who live in daughter Babylon. For well, this is what the Lord Almighty says. After the glorious one has sent me against the nations that have plundered you, for whoever touches you touches the apple of his eye. I will surely raise my hand against them so that their slaves will plunder them. Then you will know the Lord Almighty has sent me. So this is the urgent mes- message that God sends his people. The urgent message is flee. Flee Babylon. Escape Babylon. Because God is going to judge her. God is going to defeat her. God is going to scatter her people. And her own slaves are going to plunder and take away all her possessions. Now, the country of the the Babylonian Empire has already been destroyed by by Zechariah's time. So Babylon represents all the nations that have attacked God's people, all the nations that have touched God's people. Now, when they touch God's people, they are actually touching the apple of God's eye, or rather, they put God's eyeball and they anger God. So God will judge them. So escape the nations, escape Babylon before God judges. And now what about Jerusalem? Verse 5 says, And I myself will be a wall of fire around it, declares the Lord, and I will be its glory with it. God will protect Jerusalem. So if you dare attack, attack Jerusalem, God's wall of fire will burn you. 
It's just like those spikes over the fences. You try to climb over the fence, you try to touch the fence, but you only hurt yourself. Also, God will live with his people. Verse 11, many nations will be joined with God, with the Lord in that day and become my people. I will live among you and you will know that the Lord Almighty has sent me to you. The Lord will inherit Judah as his portion in the Holy Land and will again choose Jerusalem. So God will again choose Jerusalem to live with his people at his temple. So this is talking about God's future return. And, as, and because God is protecting his people, because God is with his people, chapter 2 verse 10 says that they can rejoice. Now, the people listening to Zechariah, they, might, they, they are all in Judah. So they'll say, but I already left Persia and returned to Judah. What? How is this message still relevant for me? But this passage is this message is still relevant because when God tells them to flee Babylon and to rejoice in Jerusalem, God is also telling them to love Jerusalem, not Babylon. Love Jerusalem even if Jerusalem seems impoverished, because God will be there. Don't love Jerusalem, don't love this anti-God world, even if Babylon seems prosperous, because she hates God, and God will judge the nations when he returns. You see, the impoverished Jews in Jerusalem are tempted to think, yeah, if only I was still in prosperous Persia or beautiful Babylon, then I wouldn't have to suffer so much. But God says, no, don't love them, because they are God's doomed enemies. Love Jerusalem because God will return to her and God will be there with you when he returns. So your future shines gloriously bright with the glory of God. So even in an impoverished state, God's people can do what chapter 2 verse 10 says. They can shout and be glad now. Shout and be glad, daughter Zion. Even if your crops don't do well, shout and be glad now. Even if the nations hate you for being faithful, shout and be glad now because your future shines gloriously bright with the glory of god now this doesn't mean that god's people can never be sad the news this week said that one in ten singaporeans face mild to severe stress that might be you that might be your friend or your brother and sister in christ a devotion on psalms that i read said said that christians can actually experience both joy and sorrow at the same time they don't cancel out each other so, this is, what, this is what this devotion says. If our joys are such that they cannot cope with any sorrow, then they will be very fragile, liable to disappear at any moment. If our sorrows are the ones that can emit no accompanying joy, then we'll, we will be led to despair. So we can be both joyful and sorrowful. We can be still joyful when we are sad because our joy is based on future hope. It's not just based on how we are feeling. It's based on future hope. So this means, friends, that you don't have to pretend that you are fine if you are not. You see, your, your sorrow doesn't, doesn't, destroy, doesn't destroy your future. It doesn't destroy that future joy. So grieve for your pain now. Also rejoice now for your future. So the, Paul also says this about his ministry. In, in 2 Corinthians chapter 6, sorrowful yet always rejoicing, poor yet making many rich, having nothing yet possessing everything. Maybe you're worried about a loved one or you're grieving for loss of family or for work or for health. 
Maybe you've lost friends and family for telling them about Jesus. Or maybe you've lost your yellow flipper. Your sorrow doesn't destroy your sure future joy. So you can grieve for your pain now, but you can, you can also rejoice now for your future. Now let's think back about what we have seen so far. On the surface, God's impoverished people have no reason to smile. They are present and their future are bleak. But, they are, but the God's people can smile because their situation, their present is secure. God has returned now to show his people mercy. And their future is gloriously bright. God will return to live with his people. And as they wait for this future glorious return, they must not, add, they must not desire the anti-God nations. Instead, they can rejoice because of all God is going to do. Instead, they can smile. Now, this is also uh, relevant for us because like the Jews, we must not let the the anti-God world influence us. God's word says, do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is. His good, pleasing, perfect will. I enjoy movies, uh, music, talk shows. I enjoy my friendships. But when they say no to what God does not uh, to what God says, uh, uh, sorry, when they say yes to what God says no to, when they, say, when they say no to what God says yes to, I must not conform to their pattern. I must not give that, my, I, must, I must not click on that like button. Instead, I must love what Jesus loves. I must hate what Jesus hates. Because God will judge this anti-God world. Addition, I can shout, I can rejoice like God's people because God is living with me now in Jesus. That God will always be with me uh, in, and God will always be with me in future. So I read about this successful plastic surgeon. So he earned lots of money with, with his clinic, but that wasn't enough. He wasn't happy. He wasn't smiling. He wanted more. So he opened more clinics in Singapore, in Indonesia. He bought more properties. He drove a Ferrari. It was only when he got diagnosed with stage 4 cancer that his life turned around. And all his money, all his achievements couldn't bring him joy. But he found God before it was too late. And when he found God, he found joy. And this is what he said. And most importantly, I think true joy comes from knowing God. Not knowing about God. I mean, you can read the Bible and know about God. But knowing God personally having a relationship with him, I think that's the most important. That's what I've learned. Because his return to God in Christ, so God has returned to him. So his present is secure, even if he, even if he has cancer. And his future is bright because God will live with him forever. Friends, if you know God, your present is secure. and Your future is bright. You have every reason to smile. You can smile. Let me pray for us. Heavenly Father, please grant that we we may find true joy in our fellowship with you now, Christ, and in our future lives with you in the new creation. For your praise and honor and glory forever. Amen. Uh, Thank you, Nick Wong, for the sermon. We'll now be moving into our breakout rooms to discuss the sermon.
So please turn on the cameras and meet yourselves as we seek to discuss and encourage and edify one another. The two questions for today would be, one, what words would you use to describe your relationship with God now? And two, how has today's passage helped you uh, with challenges as a Christian? Thanks for listening to this podcast brought to you by Bethany Trinity Presbyterian Church. For more information, visit us online at busypc.sg.